0: Culture and Psychology with Tabana. A very warm hello to our Radio Bomb Dad listeners. listeners. Uh, today, um, we are sitting with Dr. Rockers and Dr. Andrade, two of my colleagues and friends from Tabana organization, an organization, um, non-profit organization with um cultural and psychological focus uh, we have a website www.thetavana.com and please visit our website um, and we would love to respond to any questions that you have unfortunately we don't have a live conversation with our listeners but if you have any questions you can contact RadioBomb. and they can let us know And the next uh, session, we can talk about the topic of your choice and your interests. Today, we are going to talk about the sports. And of course, because of COVID and situations we are living in, our conversation always brings the current situation as well. So yesterday, we talked about work. We talked about the situations we are living in and the change in public. Sport also today, we are going to talk about is similar because um, many sport players, many people who were interested in watching sports live and in the place, uh, in person, um, had um, actually a different uh, situation this last year. Many sports were not um, happening at the uh, because of the COVID. And today we're going to talk about this topic. Um, and Dr. Andrade was, just sharing that the Kings game is opening tomorrow. And I don't know in what capacity and um, whether people are wearing masks or not. But I just recently came back from Dallas, Texas, that we always heard that people um, always, you know, there wasn't any closing of any places. And many people were not really attending to wearing masks. But my observation was very different. Uh, Everywhere I went, people were wearing masks. Even um, we went to a very open uh, area, which is uh, Arboretum. Probably you've heard of that. It's a very beautiful, open place, uh, like a huge garden with most beautiful flowers and trees. And even when you entered, you had to have masks when you were purchasing ticket. And then inside, you could take your mask, but you had to always stay away from, you know, just um, follow the social distancing. And every restaurant we went, we went with masks. And then there, obviously, when you were eating, you were taking your mask. But my personal observation was completely different than what I had heard. So in Dallas, which is a big city and a lot of people are um, in the streets and restaurants and different places. I really didn't see uh, much of people that they weren't follow the instruction of wearing mask and distancing. So I wonder how the sports is going to be.
1: I think along those lines, sports are such an important part of our, our life and so ingrained in our kind of daily. Uh, for a lot of people ingrained in their daily and weekly kind of rituals and so it's this idea of this release where it's like i get to to root for my favorite sports team i get to you know maybe a few times a year go to this event and, and, and you know there can be a lot of excitement around it so given that it's been such a fixture even here in sacramento as you mentioned the sacramento kings uh you know the the, the new arena which is is a little bit more easily accessible from, you know, the, the center of the city. Um, a lot of cities tend to have, you know, sports arenas in, in the heart of the city, which I think speaks to the importance of it as a, a part of our, our, our life and our interest. And so I think for sports to stop as they did for a while, and even, you know, them restarting, I've, I've had some, some hesitance in getting back to sports with like, the fake crowds and, and you know, not being able to actually attend to that. So for me, it's definitely one of these ideas that like that is a, a huge uh, kind of indication that things are moving in a way and so it might be harder to get tickets, you know, a lot of places are probably uh, less capacity because of social distance which again is understandable in that way but yeah to be able to get back to those things that that we always kind of experience that were a part of our everyday life um yeah it's it's exciting to hear that those things are coming back and, I, and i'm a huge sports guy but I at least want those options, and again, I think it's just more of that sense of normalcy in that way, and to be able to to go and do those things uh, like we had before. And so, yeah, definitely hoping to catch a couple of uh, you know Sacramento Kings games, even the uh, the River Cats, the uh, the um, uh, the softball or baseball team here in Sacramento, too, in West Sacramento. Um, yeah, it's just nice to be able to go out and do those things, especially as the winter, uh, the, the seasons changing. It's going kind of spring to summer to be able to get out and do those things. Um, so yeah, it's really nice in that way. What are your guys' take on sports, their interest, excitement about it? Uh, how are you guys looking at this?
2: I want to know about fake crowds. Like what is that? Is it like they? Yeah. Made-
1: so they were, I don't know if you, well, they had cardboard cutouts. That was the thing you can like for a hundred dollars, at least I heard it was like a hundred dollars. You can have your picture put into this cardboard cutout at the stadium and then while they're airing the show or airing the sports events, they have like a it's like a laugh track. You know, people like ooing and awing, but there's nobody there. And and so like I, I'm to me that's just like it's like a laugh track. I get very annoyed with shows that have a laugh track where it's like and, and once you hear it too, you can't unhear it. Knowing that oh they're they're, they're cueing you to laugh, so it's like oh, okay, it's not even my choice if it's funny or not. So with the with the sports. It's like, well, they're practicing, like they're playing in an empty arena. You know, this is not how sports have been for us for so long. Of course, some people are like, you know what, to be able to see it, you could still get excited about it. Um, I, but I think that the live nature of it, even if I'm not there and I'm watching, you know, people respond to that versus kind of what maybe the people who are in charge of the sound think people will respond to. So yeah, that's, that's, to me, it's a little more authentic if people are actually there, maybe cheering than, you know, those, those fake, you know, fake audio kind of sounds.
0: uh, Because I didn't know what is fake crowd and I Mm. thought differently in my head, but I'm glad Mm. you asked and Alex explained.
2: Alex. So you think that fake, the fake crowd thing is kind of bogus. Yeah,
1: I just I can't I can't get on board with that. And and some people I've talked to other people about it. I, I've been very vocal about it, as you can probably tell. And uh, you know, they're like, well, no, I mean, it's it's you know, how what's the difference? You know, if you're watching on TV and people are cheering, you're not there. How do you know? But I don't know. There's just a an authenticity that comes with it when you know you're you're watching it and people who are there are responding in a certain way versus anticipating that's how people would respond. Um, So for me, it just, it feels a little fake in that way. And I just, you know, sports uh, in of themselves, you know, are are so charged a lot of times uh, and you're so enthused in the players and and you know, some of the plays and things like that. So to, again, to equate it to like a laugh track where I'm supposed to be excited uh, because somebody programmed uh, uh, the the crowd roaring. I don't, I don't know, I have a hard time.
2: It kind of feels like manipulation. Mm -hmm. And I suspect that may be why we don't like that. I don't, I don't (laughs) dig it either. I don't like laugh tracks either. (laughs) Great crowd thing, it's kind of silly. I'm not saying I got a better idea or a better solution for it, but I do, I do. It just feels like manipulation. Like you're trying to, and then if I happen to go along with it, then I do feel manipulated. And this is not, it's not what I would go to watch sports. For.
1: Yeah. But, but I've, I've heard some people say, but like, I, I don't care. Like I, I miss it that much. I'll I'll take it. I'll I'll take it with the with the you know the the crowds. It's just I just want to feel that again. I just want to be able to to see sports again in that way. And and again, I think that speaks to just how ingrained sports are into our society in that way. I, I've known a lot of people. It's it's a it's like a real release for them. They look forward to those games on the weekends, uh, certain football games or you know the playoffs. Just the the intensity of it. Uh, whether they're watching it at home or going to a bar and being able to watch it. Uh, there's just something about the the culture around it. Um, and, and if you've ever known a sports fan, I mean, who is like really into it, they have jerseys and, you know, all these things, all this memorabilia. And, you know, they've spent, you know, hundreds, sometimes thousands of dollars going to the games. I know people who would travel to different stadiums to see the games um, and, and really kind of invest a lot of their time and money into uh, different sports teams.
0: Money so different when you're there Alex I completely agree with you I haven't been in person in some of these important sports but a couple of times I've been like in Kings game or in baseball games or football games and it's so much different than even watching it here from um, on your TV Mm -hmm. it's just so much excitement Uh, it's nothing to compare with sitting at home and watching on tv so now imagine that with fake crowd that you're talking about mm-hmm. is even completely different so i i am with you it's really different then mm-hmm. i wanted to say something i i guess i cut you off
2: <laughs> i'm sure i had something brilliant to say but i uh... Out of gone out of my mind. At this Sorry
0: point. about that. <laughs> uh,
1: let me ask you guys in regards: to, Do you do you feel sports is kind of a pivotal part of kind of our culture, and uh, you, do you find it something that a lot of people will focus on, or is that maybe just more my opinion? What do you guys' take?
2: I mean, spectator sports. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, it's a big deal It's a very big deal. There's always a segment on the news about sports when we had newspapers there's always a segment in the newspaper on sports and a fairly sizable section when newspapers were newspapers <laughs> But there's always uh, you know on every newscast news broadcast there's always a sports element so I think it's very it's a very big thing. I don't fully understand what it is I think it's part of that vicarious competition feeling. When we root for our team, I don't know all the psychologies behind that, but I know there are some well delineated psychologies about what happens. People identify with a team, but something comes from.
0: I think in every culture, pretty much, um, you know, whether it's uh, international or it's uh, national, there are so many uh, investment uh, emotionally into sports because I know in different countries, uh, for example, football, um, soccer, actually, they call it football, but it's soccer. It's a big thing in in the entire nation. And here, I believe it's a big part of culture. I remember the first time I came to the US, I was living with a family that, um, I was going to high school at that time. The father was the sport news anchor. And everything in that house, the conversation was about the sport and everybody at certain time was watching the sport news was specifically, I was um, in that environment and plus at school that I was going, uh, the sister that was living in that household with me was a there. Uh, most of the associates and people that we were friends with they were football players it was a huge thing even in high school and then when my sons here were growing up sport was the most important part of their school life they both were playing football um, playing basketball were in the team i think the culture was to a, to the to a To the fact that if they weren't in a sport they felt that something is missing in their life and that's that was my observation from uh, raising my boys they both were in different teams they it it was a big thing and even my younger son was into education and academics as well because had all these ap uh, courses and and many times I told him, I said, it's too much on you because you are into two teams and now you have taken APs. He felt that if that is taken away, a big part of him is going to um, break. And and I think it's, it's some um, maybe masculine thing as well when you're into sports, probably at that age. I'm not sure. Now I'm thinking psychologically, there's so much into this. When you think about young people, how important it is to be in the sport, and even watching my kids growing up, even after high school, and now even, sport is big thing for them. They're always getting tickets to important sports. They travel to go to another place um, to be in in that, that um, you know um, match or race or um, you know situation they want to be there so i feel like maybe the culture here is so strong in uh, sportsmanship and also uh, just being a fan of a sport and i've also noticed that in many other countries that their suck this um, you know soccer is the major part of the national uh, sport is is as huge as here so we are at our break. We come back and continue our conversation about sports. شنوندگان عزیز راژیو بامداد. اگه صدای ما رو از راژیو بامداد به زبان انگلیسی میشنوین من به همراه دوتن از همکارانم از شرکت طوانا دکتر الیکسندرادی و دکتر دانیل راکیرز امروز در هستیم و به زبان انگلیسی روزهای شمبه و شمب از سایت دوازت هایی که بعد از صحبت میکنیم. برمیگردیم گردیم و دنباله صحبتمون رو در مورد ورزش و قسمت بزرگی از فرهنگی که در سرزمین امریکا و سایر نقاط دنیا هست صحبت می We are back with Dr. Di and Dr. Daniel Rockers. Our today conversation is about the sports uh, during the COVID. And um, even now that we uh, notice uh, many places are um, opening to the public. And it's been um, different this last year because of the COVID. And it seems like it's not going to be fully back to the normal. And we were just conversing about this.
1: You mentioned, uh, I want to go back to Sade, you mentioned the idea of sports and masculinity. And I think that's something that's uh, been kind of paired in our society and in our culture kind of mistakenly, too. I think it's one of those things where, uh, because of that, uh, women weren't given the opportunity to participate. I was thinking about the most recent Super Bowl um, back in, I think it was February this year. Um, and they, They were announcing how it was sometimes one of it was one of the first ever games where there was a a referee who was a woman and a coach uh, as well, and I remember thinking like that's ridiculous in the sense that like that hasn't happened already. It's just like and it's and even the way they were they were they were announcing it. I felt like they were I don't know. I, I I kind of felt like it was. Like oh look we're 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 doing this now and and versus the idea of like okay well this should have been you know it's like women have been involved in sports and interest in sports I think just as much as men if not even more um, so the 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 lack of opportunity I think is is more sad than anything uh, so to to be able to have that opportunity I <laughs> think is great in that way um, and definitely something that should be uh, acknowledged and supported. Um, yeah, to, to say that, you know, a, a woman can't be, you know, in those in those roles and those capacities, I think it's just, it's an archaic uh, kind of way of thinking in regards to what sports are. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's great that there's that inclusion in that way. And I think it comes to just even, you know, as as when kids are, are little, this idea of, you know, the girl's going to be in ballet and dance or piano and the boy's going to play football and you know baseball and things like that so these these gender stereotypes that get perpetuated and are sometimes very resistant on a cultural level or societal level to change
2: culture culture aspect i think to me i agree with that it is unfortunate although i think it's also important for us to, to have some go it i i Envision the human race as we are—we are evolving from something before the sun, something before which was lesser than what we are, to something beyond. Part of that involves looking at what, thing, but I think it's an important thing to also reflect that whatever came before was probably an improvement from what was before that. And that we're all in this process of changing. And it is difficult for the group or the whole population because of that inertial resistance to change. And the point that I'm making here, which probably sounds a little bit labored, but it isn't that the whole thing was set up initially. I don't think. I don't think it was set up initially like to keep women out or to okay. keep certain people out. I think you know most of the people that came before us most of them were doing the best they could and it doesn't won't measure up by our standards very well but i think they were probably doing it. it is up to us to make the change to see to see differently because we're standing on the shoulders of giants now
0: i'm glad alex you always bring this uh, inequality or the mindset that we have about men and women in different aspects of life but also we have to realize that uh, there is a reality that we face, and there is an idealistic, um, you know, approach that we have to it. But as you said, in many, um, you know, more developed countries, obviously women are a big part of a sport, and um, and then we also see that in some sports, mostly men are involved because it has more. Uh, bodily involved like uh, football you know um, but then soccer you see women are playing uh, worldwide or basketball or baseball or swimming and all other sports and in olympic we see so many women are getting medals um, of um, you know the honor and um, my question is do you think a historically sport is part of the culture or is just an activity
2: definitely part of the culture i think i think it's very much ingrained yeah i
1: feel like we look at most cultures historically i'm thinking of them like when they they like you know gladiators and things like that back in ancient time i mean that's it was a sport in a way a blood sport of course but uh, you know it's one of those things where you know that was a, a form of entertainment so yeah very similar i think even today
0: yeah yeah huh? it's well documented in classical greek uh, greece and roman period that uh sport was uh, you're right it, it was a big part of uh the classical you know life style in cities and um it was known as art and science at the time and when you think about it it is pretty much art and science
2: say more that sounds interesting i'm
0: just thinking the art part is um uh, You know, you have to be creative. You know, anything creative is, uh, I see it as art. And then science, you have to really think of ways scientifically not to hurt your body, scientifically, not to really, you know, mentally even, you know, get involved more than you should. I, I see that art and science in a sport. Uh, maybe I can't express it well enough but there's a part of science and art into a sport as well because you can't just go become a good player without not knowing the science of it you know like for example just let's talk about um just the football um you know the way you run the way you um approach um you know the other team the way you have to um, make a goal. All of that has hum- art and science. In I'm just
1: thinking, I'm thinking of the, the study, Daniel, that you and I did the, with the uh, mindfulness and golf swing, how that was a kind of combination of, you know, art and science in that way we measured it in a very scientific way and included something that people don't think of as far as being a part of it but uh at the same time is very important you know it, when people play golf what do they do they tell everybody be quiet <laughs> it allows the person to focus on their swing and so uh yeah i think that was a kind of a, a great example of what side was mentioning
2: that's a good point yeah a whole there's really a lot of in terms of body mechanics and kinesthetic movement and proprioceptive feel the proprioceptive feel being feeling where our body parts are in space and kinesthetic sense is that how do we move what is the right way to move what are the proper ways to move like and in the golf just following up with the golf you know the golf swing in a lot of ways is like if you watch a dog who's wet shake off and they can shake from one end of their body, rotating it all the way up through the spine to the other end. And that's a lot like a golf swing. If we could just get that that whip to the golf swing, we can do that. And that's both an art and a science. It's an art in the sense of dance, but it's science in the sense of there's probably a whole lot of scientific factors we can measure like what we did in a study.
0: And I think when you think about all other sports, there is that as, those aspects to it as well. You know, like, for example, in volleyball, in football, in um, uh, hockey, in all other sports, when you think these aspects are, are involved. Um, I'm not so familiar with the sports psychology, but I'm sure there's so many psychologists in those fields Um, I wonder if the sports psychologists mostly work with the uh, players or people who are involved in the sport or teams in terms of psychological part of a human being, or does sport by itself bring some other issues in psychology? I'm not so familiar. That's why I just want to know more.
2: Well, I think each sport brings its own psychological demands which means there's going to be certain psychological problems which show up different ways. So for example, in women's gymnastics, when they're doing stuff like doing a backflip onto that balance beam, that to me seems incredibly dangerous and it would that provokes a lot of anxiety. In fact, I've worked with somebody who did one of those types of flips and then injured him off bar or not stuff you forget very soon. But anyway, there's, that's a certain type of anxiety that isn't present in, say, golf, that type of a dangerous anxiety. You know, there's a different kind of anxiety that shows up. in, And the demands of golf are different because most of the time in golf, you're not actually performing. Most of the time in golf, you're moving from one shot to the next shot. The shot itself takes a couple seconds. So it's a a short ballistic burst of activity that brings its own psychological some of but a lot of the things that are called by psychologists in sports psychology is similar stuff if you look at sports psychology books you'll see a lot of it is how do i deal with frustration how do i deal with relaxation what's the appropriate amount of activation Um, how do i participate in a team how am I a good team player
0: Oh, and probably when they call a player out to go back and send someone else, sometimes that psychologically affects the person, I would say. There's so much psychology into each part of um, any sports with the players. We are dealing with human beings, and I'm sure when psychologically a team does better, probably that hurdle of winning or losing um, becomes less... uh, you know, affected by players. We are getting to our next break. We come back and continue our conversation about sports um, during the pandemic, and also in general um, psychology and sports. Sharmahni gan azise Radio Bamdad. I am with uh, Dr. Alex Andrade and Dr. Daniel Rakir. Thank you for joining us Agar And if the audio is not in English, ما امروز داریم در مورد ورزش و انواع مختلف ورزش و اثرات روانی روی ورزشکارا و اینکه چرا روانشناسانی که مخصوص کار کردن با روانشناسا هستند موجود هستند در تیم‌های مختلف و رسیدیم به جایی که یک بریک داریم میدیم و برمیگردیم دنباله صحبتمون رو ادامه میدیم We're back with Dr. Rockers and Dr. Andrade from Tabano Organization, and we continue our conversation regarding sports, uh, psychology and sports, art and science involved with the sport, and so many other aspects of uh, sports and sportsmanship. Uh, We actually didn't talk about sportsmanship. One of the things that I always heard uh, in any um, organization that they were Uh, involved in sports, I had heard, and even because my kids were into sports, I always heard about the sportsmanship. And one of the things that I was reading in part of the book, which is um, mindset, and we've talked about this um, during our different conversations we've had, uh, Dr. Duke in this book, as part of the conversation about mindfulness, talks about Um, you know, in the past, there were a time that when a coach or when a teacher called home and said something about uh, their kids uh, and not following the rules and instruction or just complained something about the kid, parents were on kids and they always followed the instruction of the coach and they always backed up the coach and teacher. And in this book, Dr. Dweck talks about The parents of um, the current or maybe next generation um, from our generation, they're so worried about the self-esteem of their kids that they don't want to say anything rather than, um, you know, giving a lot of positive feedback. So Dr. Dweck talks about this and says, where did all this go that kids, at um, you know, the classroom that they were, or sports that they were playing, they were always following the rules. And they were always, you know, being told what to do to get better and what not to do. And where did that go? Now the kids all they hear is everything positive, everything because everybody is worried about their self esteem. But she argues that and she says at some point, we need to teach our kids that there is a reality in life. And, and I guess, you know, maybe we talk about self-esteem all the time, but are we really bringing the self-esteem of our kids up? Or are we really raising kids that they don't want to hear anything that they did, they could do even better, but just, you know, give them Praise, uh, give and reward, just talks about how wonderful things are.
1: Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's something that I'm really big on too. I mean, even just the idea like, not everybody gets a trophy, you know, there are winners and there's losers in sports. And you can actually learn a lot about losing. I think I've shared before, I played uh, soft, uh, baseball, T ball from when I was like six to 13 years old. So I, I played baseball for a large portion of my life. And I lost a lot of games. Uh, And, you know, it was one of those things where as a team to be able to learn how to, you know, come together following loss and continue to strive and push and know that you're not going to win every game or, you know, you may be behind and you may come back and you may not. And, And so you learn, I think, to tolerate failure. And I think there's failure and struggle and strife are a part of life in some ways. And if we're, protecting people from ever experiencing that because we're worried about their fragility or how how that can hurt them in a way I think you're forgetting that how that can help them and and that even tends to strengthen the bond sometimes within a team it's like oh let's get better let's grow or you know we all lost together and you know we we're all here together in this way versus us having to feel alone and isolated in that loss too and knowing that we can try again and maybe we can improve. And so the idea that those are opportunities for growth, I think is something that tends to really to get minimized and yeah, I think that can get carried over into life feeling as though things are always going to turn out positive or things are always going to be, um, you know, even or fair. Um, You know, we can have, you know, with the rules in sports, we can have all the quote unquote fairness that you can, but then you could still end up losing. And, and that's how uh, life works sometimes too, where you, know, you can do all the right things, but sometimes it doesn't turn out in that way. And unfortunately, sometimes in life, we don't have as many rules as maybe sports do uh, in that regards. And so it's a good, I think, practice ground for how to tolerate uh, challenges, difficulties, even failures.
2: Yeah, it brings up the important idea of we have to learn in life. We have to learn how to deal constructively with disappointment when when we don't win when we did all the right things and still did not win or things didn't go our way that day it's a it's an important lesson that we all have to learn i think that idea of always getting of all, all praise all the time is a legacy of earlier psychology it's from behaviorism where it was determined that re positive reinforcement works better than punishment and I think that some of the early child psychologists, and there were some really naive approaches, like if you read Skinner's Walden 2, it was kind of idealistic in the sense that it, life can be a utopia if only we go about always doing this with our kids. And the idea in there was this was always constructive stuff. I, But I think that everybody gets always gets a prize was... It's kind of a misapplication of psychology and an old legacy that we realize now. It's like, mm.
0: I wonder, yeah, I wonder if uh, any of the children who were raised by all these, um, you know, positive psychology, we hear all the time about positive psychology, which I agree, I am, I really feel like a lot of it is right. But I just wonder, has it been a research on kids who've been raised with all rewards and praise and uh, parents you know, constantly worrying about their self-esteem, making choices um, in conversing with them that was different from the t- their previous um, you know, generation. I just really wanna know uh, what kind of people we have raised in the society people who are uh, resilient, people who are um, very, um, you know, open to um, change, or would they get really uh, frustrated? Would they get really angry fast? I mean, what do we see? I like to see the difference because I've noticed that in um, generation I was raised or in the um, early childhood that I was raised, school was so important that anything that the teacher said or did, um, parents followed and parents were a team with the teacher and school to raise the child the way that both thought maybe it's the best, which was that follow the rules, for the instructions. You're part of this. You have to do this. You have to do that. But then we saw a society that even teachers were constantly conscientious of not saying anything that was had any negativity sounds into it. So I agree with rewards and praise and positive um, conversation or um, you know raising the child in that way. But I mean, are we really raising uh, stronger people or so more resilient? um more perseverance i don't know that's a question i have and dr actually dweck questions that yeah
1: no i think it's a good question too because I, I think it's it can be risky to say you know that teachers at the authority for example and, and they should never be questioned i think you know authority should be questioned to some degree but i think it's switched over to where you know the teachers are you know workers for the parents and they have to do what they want and so it's like well wait you're taking away their authority now and and their knowledge and their you know expertise in that so it's tricky because it's like well who's who's in who's in a position of power and when it comes to something such as you know a child's education and i've heard this from people especially during COVID you know i've heard so many parents say one math is completely different than it used to be but also like it's a lot of work to teach kids like it's hard it's you know, it's one of those things i think parents have taken it for granted like oh I send the kid to school and they learn and then they come back home and it's just like this thing that happens and I think COVID has brought it to the forefront for a lot of parents like this is a really hard work and so to to, for for teachers to have to uh, kind of deal with this idea that you know they're you know they could be getting trouble and they can get fired if a parent complains about them versus them being an authority and be like no this is what's happening your kid needs to do this because it's coming from a place of encouragement and support, um, has, has shifted things, and, and hopefully through COVID, I mean that'll maybe be impacted in that way. That you know, recognizing the the value and the the skill that uh, so many teachers have, and, and you can't just say, "Well, my kid is different, my kid's special," and you have to treat them as such. Uh, there's probably bigger things that the teacher is. Thinking of when they have a classroom of you know a dozen children in that way, and thinking of the the lessons that they have. Uh, So yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it's it's a great question. You know what what is gained by that? Like yeah, you may build. I think if anything, you build this false sense of self-esteem in that way that people think that they're good and they're smart and they're better, but they've never been really told uh, kind of that, Hey, you're doing this wrong, or there's a better way to do this. And then when I find that's why, when I work with adults who are in their twenties, mid twenties, they're coming to me very anxious uh, because now they're in the workforce and their boss is like, you're doing a, crappy job, you keep doing it, you're going to get fired. And they're like, wait, you can't fire me like, you know, I'm, I'm trying. And it's like, yeah, trying isn't doing. And if you don't do better, then you're going to get fired. And, and uh, they feel offended by that. And, and they don't know how to handle that sometimes. And so to, to be able to adapt to the real world, um, and, and, you know, with those experiences that, you know, everything you do is okay, can can really be de- debilitating more than helpful
0: yeah so the comparison is like we are dealing with more sensitive people. They're dealing with people who uh, you know, just as you mentioned, as soon as they hear something negative, they close the door and maybe forty eight hours, they're just in their room crying or closing the door to the world because somebody said something. So our patients actually vulnerabilities more? Patience is less, you know, because everything has to be to your favor. So in your relationship, uh, you know, love, we always talk about the cancel culture. That's mm-hmm. part of that. As soon yeah. as you hear something negative, you're out of my life. I'm not mm-hmm. going to uh, have you in the, you know, a team of um, friends. So yeah. basically, um It should be a good research base uh, to find more statistics, but this is what we see. We we are dealing with more sensitive people. We are dealing with people whose um, patience is less. So with that, uh, also talking about the sports, uh, probably uh, coaches are running into that with the high school kids, with elementary kids, with leagues, different leagues that uh, they're they're little kids in some of these little leagues that Mm -hmm. they're working with them. They're so conscientious of what they tell the kids that all that aspect of, you know, learning, um, being, you know, under um, observation of someone who is skilled, as you mentioned, um, rather than, you know, just always wanting to hear something good about you, something positive about you. So I don't think we are really bringing up um, individuals with more resilience by doing that. Definitely, I'm not for negativity or any source of abusive language or any source of, you know, negative, um, you know, behavior. But we are also talking about having a good medium, you know, Um, of both, you know, so that the kids are raised in real world, because real world is not all about, you know, lovey-dovey and all the flowery language. Real world uh, has a lot of hurdles, you know, so those getting to each hurdle at different levels of life needs more resiliency, and I think both parents teachers coaches can uh, do that so it is really important because i really took it seriously when dr duet was talking about that that's uh, psychologically what are we doing to our children are are we raising them uh, children that they can face reality better or are we raising them to be so sensitive
1: yeah i think i wanted to mention too one more thing regarding sportsmanship too i think it teaches us how to interact within groups and sometimes with people that we don't get along with or people that we struggle to get along with and sometimes it teaches us very valuable skills to navigate some of those difficulties because not everybody on a team is going to mesh very well. And sometimes there can be some pushback. And so rather than like, again, going back to the idea of cancel culture, you can't say, I want this person off my team. Like it doesn't work that way. Like you have to learn to deal with them and navigate that to some degree. And so there can be some some very helpful, important skills. And it's interesting because I think back on and some of my sports experiences and just even friendships, uh, uh, it, I've had experiences where at first I didn't get along with the person. And then later on they became one of my closest friends. And so um, if we're just to look at, oh, any initial opposition we have to in that, I mean, I could have lost out on some um, important lessons and valuable uh, friendships as well. And so it's one of those things where, again, as we've talked before, you know, we can learn from that struggle sometimes. And so to be able to, to learn that, you know, sportsmanship, I think it's like a ongoing process of, of learning about ourselves, learning how to interact with others, um, you know, definitely recognizing it's something that we can we can we can grow from and implement towards both our team members as well as even the opposite team we don't we don't have to hate Um, you know, our team members to see a lot of professional athletes who after the game, they'll go up and congratulate the other uh, players. And in that sense of connectedness is so important, especially when years later, maybe you see them on the same team as the other person. So it's like if you're going around making enemies of everybody, uh, you know, when it comes to you switching teams eventually, uh, you know, that would probably be really difficult. So that sportsmanship has to carry over both in uh, towards our team members as well as even the opposites teams as well.
0: Yeah, there's a lot to learn as we are, uh, you know, moving forward with life. One of them is being able to handle the opposite ideas, uh, whether it's political, whether it's about sport, whether it's about life. Um, we have to understand that each individual is very different, different mindset, different uh, family, different way of uh, being raised. So we have to be open to that. It's not easy because it's um, something that we need to work throughout our life. But just understanding and observing, uh, even ourselves, uh, what, how we behave and how we encounter some um, unpleasant situations. Uh, it's just a lot of, um, you know, working with ourselves rather than complaining about, um, the other person or the other team or, um, teacher or just anybody in life. If we could really be more focused on ourselves and see what is it about me that doesn't like this? Maybe it's something that I need to work on. So I think with the sport is the same. And I just hope parents and school and teams and, um, Uh, coaches actually are better team together to raise children with more resiliency, with more patience, with more understanding. And I hope it comes a day that self-awareness becomes a big part of teaching from raising a child, from school, from sports, because self-awareness, I think, is the best benefit to ourselves. So the more we know about ourselves, the better we are with dealing in different relationships. Uh, all right, we are at the end of our program. And uh, for the last part, Dr. Andrade, if you I know Dr. Uh, Rockers had to leave early. Um, so if you have any final statement, I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, uh, one, one of the things that was funny, I was thinking about what I said when I first got on the uh, air today, how I'm not that big of a sports guy. But then I, I remembered literally yesterday and uh, I'll, I'll describe what this is and I'll show you today, the uh, 2016 World Series of the Chicago Cubs, uh, when they won the World Series after almost 100 years. Um, I just bought this. It's funny because uh, me and my uncle, who's a huge Chicago uh, Bears and Cubs fan, we're gonna watch it together so um just as a, a way to kind of reconnect uh, uh on those games and even just to, to kind of have that shared experience so it's it's funny because even that is something that sports can be it can be an opportunity to connect uh even though it's been years now since that uh, has happened uh it's something that we're both excited to, to be able to share in uh, so yeah, it's it's one of those things that can allow people to kind of really connect. So yeah, that would probably be my message to listeners, you know, think of it as even if it's not something that you're really into, or, or you, not something that you typically think of, as you know, uh, something so interesting or engaging, but, uh, you know, to be able to have those experiences with somebody in your life, um, it, it can allow you to, to feel closer and, and, you know, in other ways. It's not just this oh, this thing that's annoying or this thing that I'm not really into, uh, it can be something that uh, allows the two of you to interact and connect on a whole different level.
0: And for our listeners, uh, because Dr. Andrade comes from Chicago background, uh, Chicago probably has a, a special place in your heart. And, and it's a talk- huge
1: sports city too, so definitely. Oh,
0: it is, yeah. And also when you talk about like 2016 Chicago winning um, Is I remember that, and I mm. and I relate to that. Uh, but with that, uh, we want to um, thank you, our colleagues uh, from Tabano organization, and we come back next week to talk about another topic. With um, saying uh, goodbye to our listeners and wishing them uh, the best for this week, we say uh, we end our program. Sedo mo bo barkun Sedoi ketul kuchashtas Bobarkun, palbamo bo barkun Pali بابرکن دستام و بابرکن که ساغه نوازشه
1: بابرکن چشم من و که یک قصید خواهشه
0: سه ي عاشق شد، التهاب نفس هاست حسرت فریاد کردن اسم کسی با صدا اسم تو هر اسمی که هست مثل قزم چه عاشقان است قربت وسه مثل صفه
2: مثل قربت سابقان است von ihm und poberk man fast nie nur nebergah ma trude bogen und
0: schpna بابر کن همیشه بابر
1: کن که من به
0: عشق صادقم باور کن حرف منو بابر کن
1: که من همیشه
0: عاشقم